Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Howard Duff as Dashiell Hammett's famous detective Sam Spade. Plus, comedians Henry Morgan and Arnold Stang doing one of their hilarious burlesques. One of the popular detective shows on radio during the 40s featured motion picture star Howard Duff in the leading role of Sam Spade. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. That is the correct answer. You have just won $104 million, six deep freeze units, a stable of polo ponies with matching saddle soap, a terry cloth robe with chocolate bars pre-melted into the pockets, and a full-size, real, honest-to-goodness dreadnought, such as is used by Uncle Sam's Navy. Oh, I'm sorry you'll have to call back. I'm expecting to be taking dictation from my employer very shortly. Oh, I am sorry your time is up, and Edna St. Vincent Markowitz, who sent in the question, gets bumped off in front of the studio audience gathered in the Dredgewood Room here in Columbia Square. Next night, don't answer your phone, stupid. Oh, Sam. Let's have no coaching, please. Oh, well, did you find the cop? Was it murder? Was it really worth, um... Well, you know, priceless and like that, and was it fun? Yes, 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 and no. And finally, are you kidding? Well, then why was it called the Vafio Cup? It's a very old Greek expression, which is what I'll be wearing as I sit in your lap dictating my report on the Vafio Cup caper. Uh, date, uh, August 22nd, 1948, to uh, Jethro Chiswick. No comment, please. From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. <clears throat> What's that? Nothing, Sam, nothing. Throat. Subject, the Vafio Cupcaper. Dear Commodore, that's the way I like you. Meek. I had always considered myself fairly well-versed in the subject of cups, but if anybody had told me there was such a thing as a Vafio Cup, they could have knocked me over with one, which they did. Spade? Yeah. I'm Chester A. Brody. I talked with your secretary on the phone. Do you follow? Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Brody. Sit down. Rest your package. Thank you. I prefer to hold it for the time being. My card, sir. Theophilus and Brody, importers and exporters, mm-hmm. Mr. Theophilus is my partner, Dimitri Theophilus. You follow? I follow. It was Mr. Theophilus who brought the Vafio Cup into the firm. I furnished the cash capital. Vafio Cup, I do not follow. Yes, indeed. The only one of these treasures to fall into private hands. One of the fabulous Vafio Cups. Those exquisite and cunningly wrought examples of the art of the ancient Grecian goldsmith. Excavated by the great Schliemann from a beehive tomb in Sparta. Hmm, beehive. Mycenaean age. Just west of the Lion Gate. Oh, the Lion Gate. Uh, pardon me, uh, Mr. Brody. Are you trying to tell me that this cup is very valuable? Priceless. And that you will finally manage to find a buyer... You follow? And that you want me to deliver that package containing your priceless cup and return with your customer's cash? Accurately put. You're about to see a treasure but few eyes have looked upon in our time, Mr. Spade. The Vafio Cup. Do you comprehend why there's no question of insurance here? Frankly, I don't. My dear man, an item such as this is worth only as much as a collector will pay for it. 
This particular collector has offered $200,000. It might never be offered again. You follow? I follow. Very well. Here's your fee, $100. I follow. And here is the address of my client in Los Angeles, Commodore Jethro Chiswick. Oh, now, wait a minute. You will take the noon train. The package was light in the drawing room and the train was comfortable. Seemed like an easy way to earn a hundred bucks. I knew it wouldn't last. Never does. I was prepared for the knock on the door, and I got ready for the inevitable small dark man who plays the Peter Lorre part, but this one fooled me. You mind? Uh, not at all. Well, sir, I'm afraid you're going to mind a great deal. Oh! And that's how I met you, Commodore. I was so busy sizing up the 45 in your right hand that I didn't even notice when you left whipped out of your coat pocket with one of the largest saps I have ever felt. The next time I saw light, you were gone, the Vafio Cup was gone, and the train was pulling into San Jose. I got off, rode back to San Francisco with a truckload of chickens, and headed straight for my client's apartment. You got here quick? Yeah. Come in. Thanks. Well, what? Look, uh, we can't both play this deadpan. We'll stay in no place. It's in the back room. What is? The body. You're from the police, aren't you? I'm a private victim. How dare you? Hey, what was that for? For spying on me. You and all the other cheap gumshoes my husband hires. You're Mrs. Brody? I'm Enid Theophilus. Didn't Demet... Did my husband hire you? My name is Sam Spade. I was hired by one Chester A. Brody, your husband's business partner. Well, Sam, I hope he paid you in advance, because he's the body. Chester A. Brody was just barely identifiable. Somebody had worked hard trying to persuade him to say or do something he either couldn't or wouldn't do. The only interesting clue was in the wastebasket. At first, I thought it was a flattened beer can. But it was the Vafio cup, or a facsimile thereof. How do you like it, Sam? I don't. He was my client. I wasn't hired to protect him. I didn't like him, but he was my client. How would you like me for a client? I'll give you the name of a lawyer, sister. My name is Enid. Enid? Now, let's see what I can squeeze out of you before the cops do. Brody was your husband's business partner, and you're, uh... You don't have to be subtle. He was mad about me. I'm... I'm all broken up about his death. So was he. That wasn't funny. That time I deserved it. You don't like me, do you? Can't you get it through that steel-jacketed brain of yours that you're in bad trouble, that there's a dead man in the next room beaten to death and you're not supposed to be here? Oh, I was supposed to be here. We were going to elope as soon as you brought back the money from that uh, Greek thing. Yeah, what about that Greek thing? It was an antique. It was called the Vafio Cup. Yes, I know about that. Yes, well, my husband dug it up in Greece and smuggled it into the country. Yeah? It was all he had, but it was such an important piece that he was able to persuade Chet, um, the late Chester Brody, that is, to let him in as a full partner. Then what? Well, they quarreled. My husband made some bad investments, and Chet wanted to sell the cup to save the firm. Dimitri refused. I didn't think it was fair, so I got the keys to his safety deposit box where the cup was, and Chet arranged to sell it to the Commodore. Will you help me? I may hurt you, and it'll cost you anyway. I know what's good for me. 
money. Find that cup. I know what's good for me, too, so I uh, took her hundred bucks, advised her to go home, and made for my own humble lodging. They were not only humble, they were crowded. The man was small, but the gun was enormous. I said, uh, don't bother to introduce yourself. Your name is Dmitri Theopolis, and you want this package that I'm carrying. Of that be assured. You obtained this from my dear wife. Now, wait a minute. Yes? This is the fake. You sure you want this? Assuredly, yes. A man has already been killed for it. Your life's a high price to pay for a fake, though fancy, tin cup. You still think that's the price? Brother, I know it. Then you know I will kill you for it. Okay, if it means that much to you, and I guess it does, it's all yours. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, please remain where you are. If you follow me, I will surely suit you. From my front window, I watched them come out downstairs and start across the street. Then it happened. I saw the gun flash as it fired, and Theophilus slumped to the pavement. The package slid away from him into the gutter. I beat it down to him. He'd taken all three pellets in the midsection from close range. His pulse flooded once or twice and then stopped. When I went to look for the package, it wasn't there. I called homicide and waited until they took him away. When I told Lieutenant Dunby what I had in mind, he congratulated me on my brilliant scheme and told me to go ahead with it. That was his mistake. I even talked him out of assigning any of his harness men to watch my building for the next couple of hours. That was my mistake. I went upstairs, opened the bottle, and waited for your knock on my door, Commodore. Well, sir, a man would almost think you expected us. Keep a better eye on him, Clarence. Don't let him get to lured. Aye, sir. Welcome aboard. No time for scuttlebutt, Mr. Spade. We are bound for Bullilong Bali on the MacArthur Maru, sailing at dawn. I want that cup, the true, the genuine, the Vaffio cup. No more deceptions, no more trickery. You will hand it over without further delay. Sure, be glad to. Oh, no, not like that. You will tell Clarence where it is stowed, and Clarence will fetch it above decks. Why, you old barnacle. Theophilus never had his mitts on a genuine Vaffio cup. Bilge water, sir. When Theophilus landed in San Francisco, he didn't have a farthing. Now he owes half a million dollars. If he hadn't got the genuine cup, how could he have borrowed all that money? Because a bunch of morons like you believed he had it. Blast my binnacles, man. You sound as though you believed what you're saying. Look, uh, Commodore, you're interested in high finance. Now, how did Ivor Kruger make his millions? Why, matches. He was the match king, sir. Uh, matches had nothing to do with it, Commodore. He uh, started out with 15 million bucks worth of phony government bonds that he printed himself. Follow? They weren't even good counterfeits, but he was smart enough not to try and cash them. He just kept them in a safety deposit box and borrowed money. Theophilus uh, used his phony Vafio cup the same way. Lost my pinnacles, man. You sound as though you believe what you're saying. Well, that has a familiar ring to it. I do. And I'll tell you why. He knew that that was the fake in the package when he held me up for it. He was willing to risk his own life to get it out of circulation. Dash my timbers. Old Theophilus has left us without a shot in the locker. You steal us onto the shoals. We're on our beam ends. Hey, turn them off, Commodore. You're pumping bilge flush. We better haul our wind. Yes, indeed. I'm afraid it's getting rather warm in San Francisco. Bully long beckons. You won't make it past the potato patch. 
What? The cops are going to want some answers about a couple of stiffs you left behind in San Francisco. I'm glad you reminded me. Shall I plug him? No, no. We are taking him with us. Oh, that's what you think. Take it easy, mate. This ain't going to hurt a bit. At first, I couldn't figure it. It uh, sounded like what a doctor hears through a stethoscope or... Maybe an earthquake or maybe ship engines, which it turned out to be. When the lights came on again, I was lying on a bunk in a stateroom. I staggered across to the wash basin and splashed water in my face. Hello, you. Oh, Enid, as I hardly live and breathe. It could get worse. Yeah, where are we? Oh, not very far out. Not past the Farallon. Uh, good, I'm a stowaway and I'll put me off of the pilot. Oh, no, you're not. Your passage is paid. Mine? It is, huh? It is. Do you know who you are? Who am I? Chester Brody. Then I'm dead. They'll bury me at sea. Roger. Who are you? I'm your widow. What's the score, widow? Chester and I booked passage on this ship a week ago. It was part of the plan. Chester and the Commodore worked it all out. Yeah, the cup was to have been stolen from me on the train. Yes, but when the Commodore discovered it was a fake, everything fell to pieces. Yeah, he thought Chester was double-crossing him. They hmm? forced Chet to talk. He told them Dimitri still had the genuine Vafio cup and had hired you for the double cross. Maybe he really believed it. Anyway, they killed Dimitri. Yeah, well, there's nothing on them yet. But uh, you're a material witness, sweetheart, to at least one of the killings. That's extraditable. When that dawns on them, they'll uh, scuttle you too. It's already dawned on them. I'm desperate. Yes, I notice. For you, you're practically hysterical. We have to face facts. Yeah, well, give me a couple to face right now. Where are the Commodore and Clarence? Up on the bridge. Good. All you have to do is walk straight up to the captain. He'll put him under arrest. Well, that might be a good idea, darling. Only... Only what? Only the Commodore is the captain. That tore it. Your uh, salty talk had fooled me, Commodore. I never dreamed that you were really an old sea dog. And I do mean dog. But two can play at that game. From my own intimate knowledge of Sea Story magazines, I realized that all hands would be turned to in the cargo gear and the crew quarters would be, therefore, empty. In more time than it takes to tell, Enid and I had fitted ourselves out in dungarees, jumpers, and watch caps and turned to with them. Oh, me? You uh, may recall, Commodore, you may recall me as the man who ran for a fire extinguisher when the bosun yelled, stow the preventer. But experience is the best teacher, and by the time we hove to to put the pilot over the side, things were in such a state of confusion that you had retreated to your cabin with a quadruple ration of grog. Seizing that moment, I threw Enid over the side, yelled, man overboard, and jumped in after him. Once safely aboard the pilot schooner, we revealed our true identity, and a merry laugh was enjoyed by all. It uh, dropped us at the foot of Margaret, and we waved warm farewells to our erstwhile rescuers, then to the snug haven of my office in a friendly cup, if you'll pardon the expression, in the grateful warmth of a gas radiator. that Commodore is the cargo. It was nice seeing you again down at the hall, 
They uh, tell me you and Clarence are both trying to turn state's evidence. But according to the late bulletins, Clarence was leading by a neck in the stretch. Get it? The DA was afraid the jury might not understand your salty talk. Period. End of sea chanty. Sam, that's so unlike you. It was just by chance they were apprehended. By chance, you say? Who do you think it was that got himself shot out of a torpedo tube in that submarine? You, Sam? No, you think I'm crazy? <laughs> I did something few radio detectives ever do, sweetheart. I called the Harbor Patrol single-handed using only one nickel and had them picked up. Oh, Sam, I wish I'd been there. Well, it was just a small phone booth. Besides, if you'd been there, it would have been out of order or something. Oh, Sam, you came through after all. Aren't you ashamed that you ever doubted me? Yes, I am. I'm a fool. There, there, there. I forgive you. Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> Comedian Henry Morgan, known for his parodies of radio shows, got into the act and presented this spoof of the Sam Spade program. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, radio listeners sometimes complain that programs on the air are not on a high enough level. But uh, we can fix that. Uh, let's take the most popular type of radio program, which is the Mystery or Private Eye show. Suppose we were to present a private eye story... But by William Shakespeare. Did hmm? he write one? Yes, Ed, he did. Hamlet. Of whom done it? The Adventures of Ham Spade. Private Orb. I was sitting around my private office, which is located in a private part of Elsinore having a private talk with my private secretary. At the same time, I was giving her the private eye. <laughs> Suddenly, I grabbed her up in my arms and crushed her to me. Business was slow anyway. <laughs> As she looked up into my two private eyes, I said, Thou art for me, honey. Me for day and day for me, him. <laughs> ah, you are the one. The only fair Ophelia. You think I'm beautiful, huh? No, only fair, Ophelia. <laughs> Ophelia, where didst you ever get a name like Ophelia? I'm Irish. <laughs> well, you're sweet enough to eat whether you're an Irish cookie or a Danish pastry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ham, you killed me. She shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I don't take orders from dames. And it reminded me I still hadn't solved the killing of my father, the King of Denmark. Me, the biggest private eye in the country, and I couldn't even solve his murder. Something was rotten in the state of Denmark. It was me. Suddenly the phone rang. She answered it. Hello? No! It's for you. Well, take the message. She took it and said... That was thy friend, Horatio. He say if he'd just seen it, the ghost of your father. My father? The ghost? Horatio? The pieces were beginning to fit together. If I had two more pieces, I'd have five pieces. Suddenly, I grabbed my secretary up in my arms and crushed her to me. There was a tiny cry of pain from her. Ow! Watch thyself, will you? <laughs> I clipped her and threw her out of the room. 
As soon as she was gone, I said to myself, Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. And then I thought, No, I ain't. It's just nerves. <laughs> but suddenly I straightened up. The door to my office was slowly opening. Who art thou? Oh, I am my father's ghost. <laughs> but father, you look terrible. Listen, when you're dead three months, you should look so good. Alas, poor ghost. Oh, pity me not. But lend thy serious hearing to what I shall unfold. I shall tell thee whom dummy am. Haste me to know it. Listen, am. Speak, I am bound to hear it. Listen, am. Speak, speak, what may this mean? Listen, am. Speak then, O ghost. Speak then, O ghost, and tell why thou comest so. Big mouth, listen already. Speak then. Listen closely. You listening? I'm listening. So listen. It's my own brother, thy uncle, who might have me. Nay. I tell him yea, he tells me nay. But father, yeah. tell why thy canonized bones, hearsed in death, have burst their cerements, and why the sepulchre wherein we saw thee quietly unearned hath opened his ponderous and marble jaws and cast thee up again. This is a way to talk to your father? <laughs> father, hmm? what mayest I do to avenge thee? Go to thine uncle who hath made himself king and take on my wife and leave him have it. <laughs> Very well. I shall remember thee. And my mother, too, that fickle woman. Oh, frailty, thy name is woman. Oh, mother, thou most pernicious woman. This is the way to talk about your mother? I'll remember thee. Yeah, so listen, do it, huh? Yes. Oh, and um, one more thing before I leave. Yes? Which way did your secretary go? <laughs> that caused me to think, he ain't so dead. I wondered how to get rid of my uncle. Should I blow up the castle with him in it? Make a shambles of the place? Reduce it to a pile of debris? Yes. Debris or not debris. <laughs> it's not the end. A few days later, but soon, a few days later, I was back in my private office. My head was tilting to one side because of the bullet in my brain. The phone rang and my secretary, Ophelia, went to answer it. Hello? It's for you. <laughs> Who is it? Not that. Tell him next week. wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week at this same time. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.